Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Second John. I was really blessed again this moment, and I, I could say this, I, I could say this every week. Um, Brother John, Sunday school class is a tremendous blessing. If you're, I, I, I'm glad you guys. We have other Sunday school classes that other people are in, but uh, I heartily recommend that even if you come for Sunday school and you're someplace else, that you know you can uh, find these on YouTube. And we are going to soon actually start uh, streaming them in uh, series, uh, actually as uh, as like podcasts, and you'll be able to subscribe and be able to hear the entire series, uh, Sunday school series, morning series, that kind of a thing. I say that because um, as John was uh, going over passages this morning, I was thinking, I remember when I would listen to the sermon or the class, and I would listen to the verses that were being uh, referenced. In other words, first of all, the passage as it came, as we were studying the passage, and then as we would go from where we were in the book that we were in and go to other verses that would confirm the truths that we were looking at, I remember in my mind looking at these verses and these passages as if the person preaching and teaching was trying to convince me that what they were saying was true. See, here's another place that you can see this. See, here's another place that you can see this. So what I'm saying is true. But now I've come to the realization that that really wasn't what was being done at all. These things are true. That was really all it was. These things are true. Here's another place that might help you. This is true. Here's another place that might, where you might, might see this and it might help you. Um, I do not... I wish, I wish, and I, when I say wish, I, I mean with strong desire, I wish I could help all of us, all of us, understand that God wants to set all of us free from all selfishness, all selfishness, from all self-effort, from comparing ourselves with each other, that we would literally be a people, all of us, filled with peace and joy and love. And these are the fruits of the Spirit. This is what God wants to accomplish in our lives. There would be a cleanness and a holiness about it that we wouldn't even talk about. We would just live our lives the way God would have us to live our lives. And I'm becoming more and more aware that this is available as the normal Christian life to those who will simply walk after the Spirit instead of after the flesh. And I can preach and teach this but you'll have to enter into it yourself. It'll have to be your choice. You'll have to pursue this and say, I don't want this to be a nice theory of the church that I go to. I want this to be the reality of my life. Now again, I truly want our church to be that kind of a church. But in order for Tidewater to be that kind of a church, you have to be that kind of a person, if you understand what I'm saying. In other words, we have to all walk after the Spirit and not after our flesh. And we are all inclined to walk after our flesh. And everybody can say amen to that. Yeah, I'm inclined to walk after my flesh. My flesh is fussy, whiny, and therefore I want to be fussy, whiny. But the Holy Ghost within us is not fussy, whiny. And He doesn't want us to be fussy, whiny. And He wants us to really, truly rest in how great the Lord Jesus Christ is. He wants us to go beyond resting, though. He wants us to jump up and down about it in the inward man. He wants us to be overjoyed with how great the Lord Jesus Christ is. He doesn't want us to have to pretend or to put on a face. He doesn't want any of that for any of us. He wants us to rejoice in so great a salvation. You know, the hymn that they just sang, the 
the uh, the welcome chorus that we sang, the hymns that we sang this morning, they all say, it's funny, the, the choir sang a song that literally said what I said when I stood up here before they sang it. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, and of course I have no idea what the choir is getting ready to sing. They don't ask me to sing any more than the special music asks me to sing. So I don't know what's getting ready to be said. I don't choose the music. I don't have anything to do. It would be, uh, I think it would be a mistake for the pastor to make choices where he, quote unquote, was had his understanding of all of the things that were going to happen. It would just be too easy to contrive things for it to become a play, if you understand what I'm saying, where we just do everything according to a certain pattern. That's not what God wants. God wants it to be real. And I thank God for what he's really doing in your lives. And I really desire, with all of my heart, it is my heart's desire that whatever is preached and taught, not just here, but everywhere, all of the ministries, all of the outreach ministries that God has given our church, all of the in-reaching ministries, meaning when we minister to each other other than on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, in all of those times that the Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified in your heart and mind, that when you were done, that what you would say is, he, he the Lord Jesus, is wonderful, and I want him to make the changes in my life that he wants to make. I want him to have full control of my heart and mind. Um, it blesses me that the more mature, the more mature, I, you know, I meet with the, with the deacons uh, to pray, and, and uh, I, I can say honestly that the men in our church that are, that are more mature, in other words, I could just say older, that the, that the, that the growth in their lives is not a showing off growth. It's not a, look what I've learned, growth. I, I can quote um, someone that was at our church that was uh, coming to the men's meeting on Thursday night, and we were looking at, the, as we were looking at Proverbs, which we've done for many, many years now. This is an older doctor, and he said, uh, I've come to the realization that I'm not the wise man in the book of Proverbs, but I'm the fool. And when he said that, he, I could tell it was a revelation to him. But we're all the fool in the book of Proverbs. Jesus is the wise man. Now, he is making us wise. You know, I saw this morning, Rush Dryley posted something this morning. I forget exactly how it, how it was worded. Uh, something about making his wife crazy, but not just his wife, everybody in his family. And, um, and I was thinking as that, you know, Brother Russ posts things uh, that are supposed to be funny often. And um, sometimes they are. He also posts things that are passages in the Scripture that are really a real blessing. Um, but as I was reading that, I was thinking again, are any of you aware of how far short you fall outside of Christ? Not just sometimes, but all the time. Once you begin to understand that, you're going to stop finding fault with anybody else. Because you're going to realize that being conformed to the image of Christ is a full-time job. You, being conformed to the image of Christ. You know, John, John was teaching Sunday school. He, he, his cup's not here. Malcolm picked it up already. But John's, John's uh, glass of water was right here. And he was talking about being fit. Fit for use. And he picked up the glass. And held it up. And it's funny because when he held it up, he didn't make reference to it. He didn't explain why he was holding it up. But I was thinking, when he, before he held it up, I was thinking of the same thing that he was thinking of. So here's a glass, right? This is a glass. You guys can see it, I, I suppose, right? 
It's a glass and it has water in it. Now you can see, if you, if you could hold the glass where I'm holding it, you could see fingerprints on the glass, but they're my fingerprints. I'm, you know, or maybe Malcolm's. Malcolm probably carried it in here originally. So it's got a couple of his fingerprints on it, but it's got my fingerprints on it, but it's clean. It's clean. And it's got clean water in it. And I need the water, but I don't need the glass. I only need the glass to hold the water. Do you understand that? But if Malcolm brought me a glass of water and the glass was not clean, I wouldn't pick up the glass. I wouldn't drink out of it. It wouldn't matter that the water was good. The glass is not. And therefore, I'd be worried about the glass causing me harm, if you understand what I'm saying. Jesus wants us to be a vessel unto honor, fit for the master's use. The Lord wants to pick you up and use you in somebody else's life. But pride is what hinders us. Not a lack of understanding, not a lack of knowledge. Our own arrogance, our own conceit, ugly. And so it doesn't matter how wonderful the Lord Jesus is in our hearts and minds. The people around us can't see him because they're too busy seeing a dirty glass, if you understand what I'm saying. So be aware of that. Recognize that. Victory in your life is that you would be conformed to the image of Christ, that he would be able, that you'd be aware Without him, I can do nothing. I can't even be useful in somebody else's life. And you tell me what else you want to be in the time you've got left, but useful in somebody else's life. Well, preacher, I have all these plans and dreams and things that I want to do. Then you're just being selfish. Then you're just being selfish. You know nothing of Calvary love, if that's what you want. If what you want is I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that, you should want Christ. And you should want others to have Christ. If you're really born again, if you're really a new creature, then your desire should be that your relationship with God would increase to such a degree that you would only be helpful to those around you. How many people around you need Jesus? How many people around you need Jesus? They do not care that you're right, but they do care that you love them. Do you understand? You should be right. You should. We should, we should under, we're going to, in fact, the, the title of the message this morning is truth. What is truth is the title of the message this morning. And where does truth come from? We're going to look at that. But the, if the truth doesn't change you, you don't really have truth. Do you understand? Truth, the real truth, deals with you before it deals with them. Amen? Not a lot, but amen. Second John chapter 1. Well, it's the only chapter. Second John, verse 1. John read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read the first four verses. The elder, unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. I do want you to notice that the very opening phrase has love and truth in it. And I really truly believe that you will find as you continue to read your Bible and grow and understand that you're going to see that these are joined together. Love and truth are joined together. And not, only, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, and mercy and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children 
walking in truth. As we have received the commandment from the Father. Father, help us, bless us this morning. Not just this morning. Lord, set your children, not just here at Tidewater, all over the world. Set your children free from selfishness, from pride, from arrogance, from all the things that hinder you from working mightily in the midst of your people. May we rejoice, truly rejoice in so great a salvation. And may our hearts and minds be filled with your great love, not just how much you love us, but that we might be filled with your great love, that we might so love each other and all of those around us. Lord, change us by your own transforming power, using your truth, the truth, to accomplish this. We thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So you notice I probably put a little bit of extra emphasis on it because it is something that we're looking at together today. But in the first four verses, we see the word truth five times. Uh, we do see the word love twice. It's not it's going to continue to, it's going to continue throughout the book. Uh, yeah, this book, which is 13 verses. But I want you to notice the emphasis on the beginning of this book on the word truth. So what we're going to do together this morning is to look at the word truth. Now, here's what I have found. There is no better way, I can think of no better way, if you can, you can see me afterwards. There's no better way to study any word in your Bible than to find that word and, and find out what it is and then go look it up, see where it occurs other places. In other words, we're looking at the word truth. Now, in my case, I looked up the, the, I knew what the Greek was behind it, but I looked up the Greek number to make sure that all of the passages that we're going to look at would include the same Greek word. It doesn't matter, the English word, the Greek word. You can do the English word if you want to. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't another, another word that would be translated truth. I just wanted to see this together. And so let's look at that. So I want to show you other passages. Now, we don't, we can't look at all the passages because there's just so many passages. And as I, and it's funny because like four or five just, stuck to me immediately as soon as I was looking at this and thought we should look at this and so these passages came to my mind and they even had a pattern or they even made sense in how we were going to look at them and so I started studying and looking at those verses and as I was looking at those verses I came across other verses that contained the word truth and I thought oh yeah we should look at that too and then other verses came in and I thought oh yeah we should look at that also and then, and then it became like John's Sunday school class we're not going to get done that kind of a thing and here's what I, and if you get nothing else out of anything that's said this morning, I want you to understand this. And I, I know I do this a lot, but you can trust the Word of God. And that's where it ends. There are, there are other, there are good books, there are good commentaries, there are good sermons, but you can trust the Word of God. Because you can trust the author. Because you can trust the God that gave His Word. What I'm getting ready to say, hopefully, will be a help to you. It should be a help to you because it will contain many verses, and the verses will be true. I, I do believe, I'm hoping, it's my desire, it is my expectation, that the, the, uh, the things that I will say about the verses will be true because they will tie in other verses that we just won't go look at. But I want you to understand, where do you find truth? Where do you find truth? Turn to John chapter 18 and verse 38. I need you to turn in your Bibles with me. I believe all the verses that I'm going to look at together, we're going to look at together this morning, uh, are in John, unless we get further than I think we're going to. They're all in John. I did that on purpose. 
So you could have one place that you could say, well, I know that a book that talks about truth a lot is the Gospel of John. So you'd just be able to go and, and, and read through and see this. But we're going to not start at the beginning of the book. We're going to start in chapter 18. And verse 38, verse 38, Jesus is on trial. He's before Pilate. Pilate, who has tremendous positional authority. And Pilate's going to say to the Lord Jesus, Pilate said unto him, to the Lord Jesus, and you can circle this or put a line under it or a box around it, however it helps you, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Now that is true. He didn't find any fault in Jesus. They're still going to condemn him. In fact, he's still going to deliver him to death, but it's true that he found in him no fault at all. But I want you to look at this phrase with me, and I want you to think about this. What is truth? Now, I don't know where you are in your walk. I don't know where you've been in your walk. I do remember in my walk, I do remember coming to the realization that I wanted to live according to reality, according to what was actually right and true. And I didn't know where to find that. Now, please look up here. I grew up, like many of you, I grew up going to church. I grew up going to Sunday school until a certain age, in and out of church. Not didn't go to church all the time. My family moved. We moved a lot. And we would go to church. And, I, and, and we would go to, again, where I grew up in Vermont, you were either Catholic or Protestant. That's what you were. That's, how, that's really what the division was. If you were Catholic, then you went to whatever the Catholic church was, wherever you lived. You went to the closest Catholic church. If you were Protestant, then there was typically another church in the town that you lived, and it was a Protestant church. It might be Congregational, it might be Methodist, it might be Presbyterian, it might be a, a number of different things, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter to me, because it was just not the Catholic church. And so I went to the Protestant church. Now, to my knowledge, all the churches that I went to, all the way until I moved out of Vermont, none of the churches that I ever went to actually preached the actual saving gospel. In other words, I never heard that I was a sinner, condemned, going to hell, and that Jesus had died on the cross, shed his blood to pay for my sins. Isn't that I didn't hear things about Jesus? I just never knew that I could be saved. Didn't know that I could be saved. The first time that I knew I could be saved, I was saved. I was so glad that God, who I had offended, who, who I was his enemy, whom I had done terrible things to, that he would forgive me. I was just excited that God would forgive me. I didn't have any doubt that there was a God, and I didn't have any doubt that I was a sinner, but I was so glad to know that God would forgive sinners, that God would rescue me. And, I, and I'm thankful for that. Truly, I'm still thankful for that. But Pilate doesn't know this. Pilate doesn't know that, that Jesus is the Christ. He's not born again. And so what he says is, what is truth? Now, I want you to think about the question. Why is Pilate asking this question? And you can say, well, we can just look at the verses before that. You can. But I, but I submit to you that he wasn't thinking about it just now that Jesus brought it up. I believe he had thought about it a lot. What is truth? In other words, I believe that Pilate understood the book of Ecclesiastes even if he didn't know the book of Ecclesiastes. And what do I mean by that? Vanity of vanity. All is vanity under the sun. I believe that Pilate was aware of the vanity that living on this earth is without a relationship with God. The phrase is often used, you have a God-sized hole in your heart, and only God can fill that hole. 
And I believe that there's a truth to that. I believe that there's a truth to the fact that every one of us was created to have a relationship with God. Everyone, God wants none of us to perish. He wants all of us to come to repentance. He wants all of us to know him, to know his love, to know the forgiveness of sins, to be made new creatures. That's what God wants. And so you're going to be completely dissatisfied with anything else. Now, what I find puzzling, and I do find this puzzling, is how my brothers and sisters in Christ don't have enough joy often in their relationship with Christ. Yeah, I know, Amanda. I want to be careful. Are you, are you a new creature? Are you really born again? Not have you made a religious decision. Are you really a new creature? Is Jesus really precious and wonderful to you? Yeah? I mean, that's the thing. Pilate didn't know, but I do. There was a time that I didn't know, but I do now. But my only testimony, over and over and over again, my only testimony is Jesus is who he says he is. And it's funny. I, I, I consider, I, I often consider not being a pastor anymore. Not because I don't love Jesus, not because I don't love you, but because I just am aware that, it's, that I'm not able to convey to you what I want you to have. Please, if you don't have joy in who Jesus is, be honest about it. The people around you don't need plastic Christianity. That's what kept me from Jesus. And if he is your Lord, if he is your Savior, if you are a new creature, where's your joy? Where's your I want to talk about Jesus? Do you understand? I I have a hard time. Those of you that know me, I I don't like to make small talk. My wife will tell you I'm awkward at like family gatherings and stuff like that. I come across as if I'm, what's the word? Um standoffish, right? Because if we were, if we were, if we were at a, you know, if we we're at a thing and you walk up and say, so how about that stock market? You know what I'm saying? You know, my, my answer is, uh, and I don't mean that to be unkind, but there's just, again, vanity of vanities. Everything on there's not that there aren't some there are topics that you can bring up that I would like to talk about. Most people don't want to talk about the Patriots anymore, though. You know what I'm saying? So there are certain things. <laughs> Dr. Smith and I were trying to get on a base the other day, and he had his license plate. We were going to see Doc, and over at Portsmouth, and and the and the uh, uh, first class that was at the gate said, uh, "Sir, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to have to turn you around because it's obviously your Pittsburgh Steelers fan, <laughs> and you're not welcome on the base." He was a he was a uh, uh, Ravens fan. And I almost leaned over and said, I'm a Patriots fan. Will that help? And then I thought, no, everybody hates the Patriots. That won't help anybody, unless he's actually a Patriots fan. And what I mean by this is this. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? What, what is it? Really, what fills your heart and mind? What is it? And, and what we, the question here is, what is truth? So now, I want to uh, show you Jesus talking to a bunch of people that also don't know. But he wants them to know. Go to John chapter 8, verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. (laughs) 
It says, and then Jesus said unto those Jews which believed on him. Now, this is not people that have trusted him for salvation. They just have believed that they should follow him to this point. And this notice how he, how do you know that? Well, let's read what he continues to say to them. By the way, if you keep reading the chapter, you're going to find out they're going to be really angry with him by the end of the chapter. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know what? The truth. And the truth shall what? Truth shall make you free. So look up here. Whatever, 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 whatever ruins your life, how can you be free? And the answer is you can follow Jesus. And he'll show you the truth. And the truth will make you free. Amen? That's, that's what he's saying, right? He says, if you continue in my word, you might want to put a big box around that. In my word. Not in the thoughts of religious people. Not in the authority that's around you. In the word of God. If you continue in what God says, then are you my disciples indeed. And if you do that, you'll know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. The truth has set me free. Amen? The truth has really set me free. And I'm so thankful. I'm so, I did nothing to be set free. I've earned nothing. You know, John was talking about this morning. Mercy. Mercy. Only mercy. I didn't earn anything to do with my salvation. Jesus did every bit of it. And I'm so glad. But that's the truth. Jesus has done everything that you need, not just to be forgiven, but to have a whole new life. And he's able to do that. The truth will make you free. Now, I want to talk a little bit. I'm just going to, I'm going to, now we're going to go quickly. We're not going to take a lot of time. I want to go through quickly. I want you to see where truth is. Go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Where does truth come from? Where does truth come from? Verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word, who is God, by the way, right? Go back to verse 1. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. So Jesus is full of what? Grace and truth. Truth. Yes? So guess what your life should be? Guess what your life should be full of? Guess what you should be full of? You should be full of grace and truth. Now, this, this, um, at some point, and not early enough in my Christianity, when I was a baby Christian, Christianity was very simple. And then I started getting trained. Then I started getting educated in my Bible. And somehow, and I remember, I remember a, uh, it's funny, I was talking to uh, Don Mendonza the other day. There was a lady, her name was Mrs. Camp. And I said, what was Mrs. Camp's first name? And he said, Mrs. Because I don't know, I don't know, I don't remember. She was probably in her 70s, I'm going to say she was in her 70s, and I was in my 20s. I was just a baby Christian. I was 25, so I was 25. So I was just a baby Christian. And this is what she said to me. She said, she said, please promise me that you'll never go to Bible college and seminary. And I said, why? And she said, because you have such a simple love for the Word of God. And such a simple trust in who Jesus is. And it will be ruined no matter where you go to Bible college or seminary. And my response to her was, I don't think I can promise you that. Because I had a sense that God wanted me to prepare to minister. 
And so I went to Bible college and I went to seminary. And Bible college and seminary isn't what ruined my walk with God. And I don't want you to think that I'm saying that. But there's something about knowledge. Well, here's what it is. Knowledge puffeth up, but love edifies. So it's hard for us to learn anything without wanting to write a book about it. Or at least tell everybody about how smart you've suddenly become. How smart I've become. You understand? It took me a long, long time to first learn what I needed to learn, and then to learn that I had learned it wrong. Because what I had learned was to be smart, or to be educated, or to have knowledge. But not, not to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what God wants for you. This is what God wants for me. He wants for our growth in the Word of God to be helpful, good to us, for us but in such a way that it's helpful and good for the people around us also. You should talk about the Lord Jesus. You should talk about the Word of God, but not to show off. In fact, you sh your, your attitude should almost be, uh, who am I to show you how wonderful Jesus is? And yet, I'd love to show you how wonderful Jesus is. Amen? That's all. That's all. We, we should want to talk about Jesus, but not so that we are talking about Jesus, but because we want them to know how wonderful Jesus is. Right? It's like, it would be better if you talked to so-and-so instead of me, but since so-and-so is not here, let me show you something that may be helpful to you. Amen? Do you understand? In other words, he must increase. They may know what comes after that, but I must decrease. The, the amount I talk about Jesus should go up, but the amount that has anything to do with me should go down. Full of grace and truth. Verse 17 goes on to say this, For the law was given by Moses... But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Where does truth come from? From God. Who can you trust? God. You can trust God. Years ago, about four years ago, when God started to really deal with me about this, I started putting together a uh, series of, of uh, short things to help people called an honest witness. You can't find them anywhere. And because I've never really posted them. And this is why, because who can you trust? You understand what I'm saying? Where can you, I mean, where can you go online and find truth that you can trust? You can't find it in the media, and I'm not picking on any one part of the media. The media has become basically opinion, strong opinion, with just enough facts to prove their idea of their opinion. You understand what I'm saying? But so is a lot of preaching and teaching. Just strong opinion with some verses to support it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So where can you find the truth? And the answer is, in Jesus. You find the truth in Jesus. In fact, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Go to chapter 14. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 6. Very well-known verse. And Jesus said unto him, <laughs> I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen? Now, what I want you to notice is, Jesus doesn't say that he is a way. He says that he is the way. Jesus doesn't say that he's a teacher of truth. He says that he is the truth. Right? And Jesus doesn't say that he gives life. He says that he is life. Amen? This is such an important reality. I'm telling you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, 
whatever it is, whatever your shortcomings are, wherever you're Wherever you're afraid or hurting or angry or frustrated or proud or whatever it is, whatever it is, the only thing that's going to meet that need is Jesus. So I'm telling you, listen, not talking about just religious prescriptions. You know, as a young pastor, when people would come to see, would see me and they would have these things that they wanted to talk to me about, my mind would go to what passages can I give them that would be a help to them? You say, that's good that you'd want to give them passages. Yes, but I was dispensing them as if they were prescriptions. Do you understand? Here, read these verses. These verses will help you. No, actually, the verses by themselves may not help you at all. But Jesus will help you. Do you understand the difference? If the verses don't take you to Jesus, then the verses aren't actually helping you at all. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. I want you to understand, if you had nothing but Jesus, if you have Jesus, you'll have the word of God. If you had nothing but Jesus, you'd be fine. Now, I want to keep going because Jesus promises you not only that he will help you, but where that help will come from. Go to John 17, 17. John 17, 17. Again, all of these are in the same book on purpose because I do not want you to think that I'm just putting together some verses. But this, in the context of John, all of this goes together. John 17, 17 says this, the Lord Jesus, who's getting ready to leave, right? I'm getting ready to leave. I'm coming to be with you. Father, you keep them. You sanctify them. You watch over and take care of them. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So what's truth? Where, again, what source can you trust? And I already said it, right? But the Word of God. Right? Yes? Yeah. How many of you, how many of you, I just, out of curiosity, how many of you were encouraged this morning? Turn to Psalm 77. Psalm 77. Is Psalm 77 truth? Right? Is Psalm 77 truth? Yeah, of course, it's in the Word of God. By the way, if you have a Bible that has more commentary in it than Bible, get rid of it. Because you don't need the commentary. doesn't matter. Again, nothing wrong with Schofield, nothing wrong with any, but what you need is the Word of God. You might want to have some other books that every now and then you can open, but when I read my Bible, I want to have my Bible. Because you want to know why? Because thy Word is truth. Again, I want to say something that was really helpful to me as a young student. And that was, uh, um, somebody had quoted, uh, back in the 1800s, late 1800s, commentaries were becoming a big deal. Commentaries. Full Bible commentaries. In other words, commentaries that covered from Genesis to Revelation. And somebody had written that commentaries shine great light on the Word of God. And Spurgeon wrote the following week in The Sword and the Trowel, I believe, the Word of God shines light on all commentaries. That was his response. In other words, commentaries do not shine light on the Word of God. The Word of God shines light on all commentaries. People who reject the Word of God are not doing anything to the Word of God. They are not the ones judging. The Word of God is judging them, right? What's interesting is God says in many places, you have judged yourselves unworthy of what I would do for you. In other words, by rejecting God, you are not judging Him, you are judging yourself. God is who he says he is. You can reject him, but that's a you issue, not a him issue. I want to, I just want to look at this with you. I want to see, I want you to, I cried unto God with my voice. I'm going to read quicker than I read this morning. 
I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. So he's listening. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night. In other words, what was going on in my heart that was tearing me apart didn't just happen in the daytime. It happened in the night. Anybody say amen to that? And ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was satisfied. That's not what it says. What does it say? I remembered God and what? Was troubled. How deep is your despair when your thoughts of God don't bring you any peace? Again, what are we reading? We're not reading a commentary. We're not reading a wonderful godly man's opinion or his testimony. We're reading the Word of God. So God wants you to know there are times in your life when the agony you're going through cannot be satisfied even in seeking God. Let's keep reading. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Well, you got to take that out. You got to take that out of your Bible. That makes God look terrible. Where is he? Why isn't he helping? Do you understand? Do you understand that God, listen, God is not afraid or ashamed to tell you that there'll be times in your life when you will be going through something and it will appear to you that you can't find him. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 7. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean, gone forever? Does this promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity. Boy, this is a great help. This is my infirmity. This is where I am. This is what I'm going through. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will rehearse in my own heart now what I have already seen you do. What I have already heard you do. And he say, why are you bringing this to us? Because God, Jesus says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. All of it. All of it. I am so grateful. You know, one of the things I remember as a, as a, uh, as a young Christian reading Israel's history and realizing that the word of God, the Old Testament had to be the word of God. Cause if you were Israel, you do not write your history like this, right? Their greatest men and women, their flaws are clearly revealed in their most important history book. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how you know it's not of men. I promise you, if you go back and read books written by about Abraham Lincoln and about George Washington in our history books, they're swell guys. I'm not saying they weren't swell guys, but whatever their flaws were, you'd have a hard time finding them written out in any book. You understand? Because that's not how we write history. Now, I'm not saying history is accurate. In fact, that's one of the problems I had with history as a young person. They'd say, you know, we want you to learn this stuff of history. It's really important. I'm thinking, how do you know it's true? Right? Well, because it was written down, yeah, but what if they were lying? Right? Because the people that were, were killed, they didn't get the right. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they were the good guys. You know what I'm saying? They got done, how we killed them all, we were the good guys. It's like, well, maybe you weren't the good guys. Maybe you killed all the good guys and then lied about it afterwards. But not in the Word of God. You can trust the Word of God. Now, one more thing and it will be done. Turn back to John, back to the same, to chapter 14. And we're almost done. There's much more that I do want us to look at, but not this morning. 
John chapter 14. Oh, this is such a wonderful truth. So we've seen that Jesus is the truth. We've seen that the word of God is the truth. But here's, here's, here's something that I think is really wonderful to you. Talking in chapter 14, verse 17, Jesus is talking about the comforter coming, the Holy Ghost coming. He says in verse 17, even the spirit of what? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth in, with you, with you. He's with them now, the spirit was with them now, and shall be, praise God, on Pentecost in you. Amen? So listen, this is really, really wonderful. Here's the thing. The Lord Jesus Christ is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. And within you is the Spirit of truth. And He's going to teach you the truth. Isn't that wonderful? So here's what, here's what. You can trust God. You can trust the Word. And you can trust God the Holy Spirit to teach you. Is that helpful? Listen, listen. Look up here. Wouldn't it be terrible if you were dependent upon me to tell you what in the Bible is true and how it's true? But it isn't that way. I'm only here to provoke you with the Word of God. I'm just here to put it in front of you over and over and over again. Maybe to expose it, maybe to have a little exposition on it. But my responsibility is to tell you, open your Bible. Let the Holy Ghost teach you, right? The Holy Ghost will teach you from cover to cover. Why? Because He's the Spirit of truth. And He wants you to know what? The truth. He wants you to be set free. He wants you to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants to provide everything. Let's read a couple more verses. This is all, this is all over your Bible. Go to John chapter uh, uh, 15. Chapter 15, verse 26. But when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even what? The spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall do what? Amen. He shall testify of me. So here's, listen, so here's the truth. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses unto me. So where does the power for you to be a witness come from? The Holy Ghost living in you. Do you understand? You and I have no witness. You and I have no witness. Not by ourselves. But the Holy Ghost changing us is a witness. Uh, who was I? I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking to me about what was the person like that led you to Christ. And here's what I said. He was a spirit-filled man. He was different. He was different. I knew he was different, not from what he said, but how he lived. I knew there was something about him. Here's what I knew, and this is exactly how I worded it to him. What is it that you have that I don't have? And his answer was Jesus. And my response was as arrogant as you'd expect it was. I don't want to talk about religion. And he said, that's okay, neither do I. And he started talking about Jesus. Amen? You don't want to know why? Because Jesus is not one of the world's religions. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by him. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the one that paid for your sins and my sins. Somebody was talking about it the other day, uh, praying. Maybe it was Malcolm praying today. Somebody was praying this morning about the fact that, that every person that you're going to walk up to today, Jesus paid for their sins already. 
whether they've received it or rejected it, Jesus has paid for their sins. Because when he died on the cross, he died on the cross saying, it is finished. He has shed his blood to pay for the sins. And not just for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Amen? That kind of blows limited atonement out of the water just a little bit right there. Sorry if you're a hyper-Calvinist and that upsets your apple cart a little bit. But Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. Why? So that whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. If you will, he will. Boy, I love that. Verse chapter 16 and we'll be done. I'll make a mark here. So I remember because I have very poor memory. <clears throat> John chapter 16. Notice this. This is so wonderful. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all what? Truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Isn't that wonderful? So here's the thing. How humble is God? So humble that he doesn't talk about whatever he wants to talk about. He only talks about what's true. You understand what I'm saying? God, the Holy Ghost, whatever he should teach you, he will teach you. Remember when they found fault with Jesus for the things that he was saying and the things that he was doing? Here, what was his, what was his defense when they said, we don't like what you say, we don't like what you do? Here's what he said. I'm only doing what the Father told me to do. I'm only saying what the Father told me to say. So if you have trouble with this, it's not really me you have trouble with. It's the Father that you have trouble with, who you call your God. But if he were your God, you'd receive the things that I'm saying. Because I came from him, and I'm only speaking to you about the things he wants you to have. The spirit of truth. So let, let's, let's, and we'll be done. We'll wrap up this morning. So here's, here's talking about truth. Love and truth. Where does this come from? Where does grace and truth come from? How can I be a person filled with the love and truth that we find at the beginning of 2 John? And the answer is, Jesus is the truth. The word of God is truth. And the spirit of truth lives in you if you're born again, and he'll teach you the truth. Amen? Now, tell me that doesn't just make it really wonderfully simple. You know, again, Brother Glenn Mongold often prays, Lord, make it so simple that even I can't miss it. And I agree with that. I pray that way, and that's changed my prayer completely. Lord, make it so simple that even I... I gave counsel to somebody the other day. He said, I can't seem to find the will of God for my life. And my answer was, well, ask him to make it so simple that you can't miss it. Because he will. Because he's not a hider of his truth. He's not a hider of his will. He wants you to have it. He wants you to know it. And he wants you to know not that you might have it. He wants you to know that you have it directly from him to you. So open your Bible. Even if you're opening to, I can't tell Psalm 77. Psalm 77 has been a great help to me recently. There's some things that we're going through in our hearts and minds. And Psalm 77 has been, God has been really using this, not just in my life, but in the lives of some other people. And I was so, when I, when I found it and, and remembered it, I thought, what a blessing it is that God understands when you're going through something that doesn't end today, right? Just doesn't end today. It's like, Lord, I would like, I, I trust you, Lord. Can this not end today? And he says, no, not today. There's more work that I'm doing in this. But Lord, I don't understand. That's okay. Think about everything I've already done. Understand that I know what I'm doing. How do I know I can trust God? Because I've always been able to trust God. Has he ever failed? No, and he never will. Has he ever lied? No, and he never will. Has he ever fallen short? No, and he never will, ever. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this time together this morning in your word. Thank you for just showing us these simple things. That if we'll just follow you, 
we can be your disciples indeed. We'll continue in your word. Lord, I remember when I was unsaved and I, and I believed to a degree and I read to a degree, but you made it clear if I would continue that I'd be your disciple indeed and I'd know the truth and the truth would make me free, would set me free. And now, Lord, I've come to realize that your truth is still setting me free, continuing, continually setting me free from me. And I know that it is the desire for all of your children that we would be conformed to your image by your word. We thank you for this. We thank you that the spirit of truth lives in us to teach us and to show us. And we have the word of truth, Lord, that we can read this. We thank you and we praise you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.